And welcome back, guys, to the Run It Back podcast. I am your host, Joy. Alongside with me is Wes. How are you doing today, Wes? Hi, Joy. Hi, Run It Back Nation. I'm doing well. Uh, getting close to the holiday season, and yes, sir. You know, I am ready for a long break after <laughs> all this with work and all the crazy things going on in my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, yeah, you know, like holidays are are coming, and now it's crazy, right? The the F one season is done Abu Dhabi just finished and and yeah oh for sure I mean not not to be crass but to be honest I didn't think that there would be an F1 season this year in 2020 yeah especially when the Olympics went down Mm. but for the F1 as a competition to have I believe it was 15 rounds Correct me if I'm wrong, Joy. Uh, yes, I think 15 or 17, yes. Yeah, a little under 20. Mm-hmm. Basically a full season. Right. It was very remarkable. A lot of ups, a lot of downs. Mm. Very, very interesting storylines, such as the obvious with Lewis winning his seventh world title, Mercedes winning their seventh constructors, Pierre Gasly, Checo Perez among the few to get their first wins folks like Lando Norris getting on the podium right a lot of a lot of different scenarios that played out and it's been a pleasure to take part as a spectator throughout the whole season and witness history one race at a time yeah absolutely and, and I agree um you know I I didn't really think that there was going to be a season um this year uh I thought at most, we were going to have maybe 10 uh, or 12 races. And it was going to be crazy because um, me and Jordan were talking about before the season even began that um, a failure or, you know, someone get, you know, has a failure in like uh, in the engine department. And then like that's going to throw a wrench in someone's championship. But yeah, I mean, you know, in, in the most uncertain uncertainty, um, in the year that, you know, brought us the most uncertainty, Mercedes is still on top. Mercedes is still prepared for anything. And so, yeah, you know, that, that I, I guess that's why they are the biggest news that's coming out of this Formula One season. Yeah, absolutely. And now that the dust has been settled, uh, you know, congrats to Max Verstappen for bringing home the win. Yeah. In that race, congrats to Lewis Hamilton for getting it on the podium from his first race back. <laughs> congrats to Botas. Being sick. Yeah, Botas for <laughs> beating Lewis, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the bigger story here, Joy, hmm. the MAGAs, they're the back. Magas. McLaren. The McLaren. They secured third place in the Constructors' Championship. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I am damned. Okay, so for the listeners tonight, I said earlier in our podcasting season that racing point was going to be the third place team Hmm. because i wanted them to flip the middle fingers to all the other teams that put them down after they got their points taken (laughs) away but it turns out i'm wrong and i'm game i'm a sportsman and nothing but congratulations towards the woking outfit they deserve it they had to come back sometime and no better time to come back to the realm of greatness in formula one uh, except for right now right right absolutely and and i chose mclaren to win the best of the rest of the season i think it's because uh it was more about their uh the consistency their i just trust their drivers a little bit more uh than racing point and yeah you know there there was kind of this um this you know like weighed on racing points to shoulder to prove everyone why deserve, they deserve to be um, the best of the rest. But I thought, you know, McLaren is on, is on the rise and they've proven it this year. They could pretty much go through challenges. Uh, this is the, this was, the, I think, uh, oh, even, even last season, it, it came down to the very last race. And so, so yeah, um, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see where McLaren goes from here, right? Because they're gonna go get their their McLaren and uh, McLaren their Mercedes engines. Um, I don't think it's gonna be that big of an improvement, but I think they're gonna be right there, right behind Red Bull, and they could probably challenge Red Bull next season. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's for next season. So yeah, uh, other than that, um, West the farewells. Um, I think you will agree with me that the the most saddest farewell uh, uh, of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix was Perez because he didn't really get to finish the race. He didn't get to go halfway, and um, he had to finish his race with an engine failure. Yes, uh, the farewells are probably the biggest part of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, brutally honestly speaking. Outside of uh, boring racing, to me, that's probably the best part. <laughs> but to answer your question, Joy, yes, uh, Checo's DNF was pretty sad, given that he will be going to a new team this coming season, which is uh, quite a big deal quite a um, big, in yep. today's Formula One news. But I would also contend that uh, Sebastian Vettel's was pretty sad, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he was so dominant practically on top of the world when he was at Red Bull, mm. goes to Ferrari to follow in the footsteps of his idol, Michael Schumacher. Right. And the expectations were so high. And don't get me wrong, for a while, it looked like at some point Vettel was going to live up to expectations, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There was but, like two years where um, everyone thought like, yeah, th this is going to be the year. Yeah, but it just so happens that they run into a buzzsaw named Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. Yeah. It, it's funny you said that because um, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Maurizio Arrivabeni. He was the former team principal of Ferrari. He said that they know how to beat Mercedes and they know how to beat Valtteri Bottas. They don't know how to beat Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and with that sentiment, it goes to show how different of an animal... Lewis Hamilton right. is absolutely right and how great he is as a racer but all in all with Sebastian Vettel given how harsh he is on himself as well as those that care about his success right it was a very bittersweet ending I feel when he crossed the line in uh, Abu Dhabi because we're all used to him uh, singing his songs after a victory right but he sung a long song, not only thanking the Scuderia, but he did it in defeat, which goes to show that he's very gracious. Yeah. And he's very thankful for the time that he had at Ferrari yeah. because not too many people in this in this world, right, get to drive the Ferrari Formula One car, let alone Ferrari in general. Right. Absolutely. And so, not only that, like having Ferrari choose you to be the, the next big thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I totally agree. Um you know, it, it was very emotional uh, hearing him say, you know, goodbye to Ferrari because he loves Ferrari so much, even though it seems as though, you know, he hasn't had the best seasons um, with them the previous two seasons. So, so yeah, um, it was emotional, but, like, I think now he's excited to just kind of step back and, like, you know, gain, gain a new perspective uh, with a new team. Absolutely, gain perspective with the new team. It's funny because it's going to be his, what, third or fourth different engine in as many teams, too? Yeah, yeah, it, it's insane. I mean, uh, he has driven Ferrari engines before in a Toro Rosso, but, um, like, moving on to uh, a Mercedes, I, I don't think he's ever driven a Mercedes. He's driven a BMW, I think. Right. Yeah, he's never driven a Mercedes. Yeah, no, and... Despite the way he carries himself in the Park Ferme, you could tell that he's quite curious about why Mercedes is why what it is, right? right? Absolutely. So for him to come to Aston Martin and get behind a up-and-coming team with a lot of backing and a lot of support, as well as a very, very historical home ground in Silverstone, right? I think it'll give him new perspective. I think it'll give him new confidence going in, especially when he has a teammate that will not only challenge him, but also um, give him lots of opportunities to succeed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And uh, yeah, so let's uh, yeah, well said, Wes. Um, with that being said, let's move on to our bulls and bears. So uh, to all of our listeners, this is the segment where we choose the drivers that um, you know, are on the come up or like, you know, these are the the drivers that you want to watch and. Uh, the Bears are going to be the drivers you, that you don't want to keep an eye on. Uh, it's very it's very market-based, right, Wes? Yeah, so the concept of bulls and bears is a stock market-inspired right. term. So to put into layman's terms, the bulls are who to watch, who's hot. Hmm. Bears are who's not to watch, who's not. <laughs> so... I will start off the recap of our Abu Dhabi review and my bulls heading into that race, which I still can't believe it's been a week. But anyway, (laughs) three for three was first time three for three. Yes. Perfect. On the last race. Thank God. I picked Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris. Mm. So Verstappen went out and won the race. He was due. And also he's been driving hell of a season. Right, It was only a matter of time where he got that signature win at any given round. Lewis, coming off the sickness, was showing a lot of pace throughout the weekend. And for him to put it in third and keep it in third, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Podium places. I think he'll take it too, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Like, for me, if he's outside looking in, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thankfully that didn't happen. And third, I think, is probably the biggest magnitude out of all, Lando Norris. Lando helped or basically secured third place for McLaren. Absolutely. And I think he's showing his signs of greatness. He's growing up right before all of our eyes. Right. right? I mean, of course, you could make that case last season. However, now it's like we're no longer seeing him as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Uh, do you, will you see him as the leader of McLaren um, yes. next year? Yes, I do. No, no, uh, with Ricardo stepping in? Yeah. Okay. I do. I do, because just because just because he looks nice and harmless and outright funny on the outside doesn't mean he's a, not a tough competitor. Right. The guy will race. The guy will drive. And if Daniel Ricardo goes in there with a sense of entitlement going into Woking, he's going to be in for a rude awakening Right. with the number four car next to him. Number but four and Land- number three. Number four and number three, that's right. <laughs> and But Lando, people, people, I'm telling you right now, take Lando Norris seriously. He's a part of that golden generation Absolutely. with George, as well as Leclerc and Max. It, It's going to be special for the next few years of Formula One racing. Right. And uh, I love that, um, you know, you brought, you still added Lewis to your, to your bulls. I mean, I... It's very safe, right? But um, it's funny because Ted Kravitz, Ted Kravitz, in his um, notebook, uh, when Russell failed to win the race, secure the race um, through no fault of his own, uh, Ted Kravitz mentioned that you know when in the in the Mercedes factory, like or in the Mercedes grand scheme of things, if one little thing changes, everything else kind of goes to you know goes haywire right like without lewis there sitting in that seat you know with george russell then everything just falls out of sync which which is uh it it was a great it was um it was a strange but unique perspective um i kind of agree like you know when whenever back in germany when when mercedes dressed up like in the 1950s they weren't used to it and it kind of threw them off and then then things just change and like yeah like i don't know that, that was such a weird perspective but now that you know mercedes is back i don't think uh i, th- I think lewis is going to come back even stronger next year seeing Mer- uh, verstappen win the last race of the season for sure i mean have you all seen that meme where michael jordan's sitting on that couch and the, the words go and i took it personally yeah well, given that Lewis is probably the greatest driver of his generation and probably of our generation too as an athlete in general, since he's so damn competitive, I wouldn't be surprised if he took that win or yeah, that win by Max 
as personal, right? Absolutely. Or George Russell whooping that Botas ass in <laughs> Bahrain as personal, right? <laughs> yeah. Because Formula Internet went nuts when George was dominating just about 95% of that race. Yeah. So, yes, I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't get a rejuvenated, COVID-free Lewis Hamilton in 2021, especially when the car, for the most part, is exactly the same. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I, I don't know if this is correct, but um, but the last time I saw someone win Abu Dhabi that isn't Lewis Hamilton was Nico Rosberg, and the next year he won the world championship. So we'll see. We will see. You know, uh, that's like I said. That's what I love about sports. We could make all the predictions. It's we're still gonna see. What's gonna happen any uh, sooner than later? So uh, yeah, for sure, Joy, and I'm sure 2021 is gonna be one hell of a season because there's a brand that starts with H and ends with A that needs to put some business down in Absolutely. 2021. Absolutely. Just saying, the very last year. Let's do it. But Bears, let's go on to Bears. <laughs> let's go on the Bears. Botas, Vettel, Leclerc. Now, you all are probably wondering, Wes, you just put out that sentiment for Sebastian. Why Why the hell are you dogging him now? Well, one, this was made a week and a half ago, right. these predictions. And the stat sheet doesn't lie. Right. Vettel and Leclerc did not finish anywhere near where they would want to be. Right. I mean, that, that could be no fault of the, their own as well. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's just their car. Yes, yes. And... Now, both men don't have to deal with that anymore. Bye-bye SF1000, or whatever the code name of the car was. Um, right, SF1000? Yes, uh, SF1000 is the car right now. Do you know the, the new car that they're going to call it next season? Well, I'm not worried about that right now. <laughs> Let's focus on the topic at hand. Yeah. But yes, the SF1000 is gone. They brought it home, right. and... Hopefully Vettel can uh, get the mental image off of that, while Leclerc can take that personal and go <laughs> to next season with a vengeance, right? It's funny because uh, Ferrari gave uh, Vettel a massive trophy, and they didn't give Raikkonen one. <laughs> I don't think Raikkonen's in it for trophies. I don't think I don't think so either, to be honest. But yeah. Uh, but anyhow. Yeah. Go on. ahead. Yes. Uh, and Valtteri Bottas, I'll take the loss on that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, it sounded like a safe pick at the time because he was in such a rut that he was in disarray. To be honest, you were just like, "Oh no, Bottas version whatever still doesn't work." <laughs> but hey, he he brought it home in second this time, so props to him. He will stay with Mercedes for at least another year. Right. If can he take the fight to Lewis? I don't know, but. For now, he gets to end the season strong on a high note. And that's kind of what you need, especially when you're struggling anything, right? Mm, right. A strong end to your season. So th those are my bears and bulls for that week. And I can't wait to do it again in a few weeks' time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, uh, let's go through my bulls. So for my bulls, I picked Russell, Sainz, and Gasly. Now, okay. It wasn't the best result, you know, for me. Uh, but, you know, George Russell finished, finished um, P15. Not really anything there. Um, we've seen him do better, um, you know, finishing P12. I think I would have taken that as a win if he finished P12. But P15, you know, he, he usually finishes P15. So it's kind of like... Um, he, he's getting used to finishing P15. Uh, hopefully next year they get him a be better car that could get to Q2s regularly. So, so yeah. Uh, and then Signs, obviously P6, uh, right? So P6 was, it helped secure the, the McLaren P3 in the constructors as well, right? But not as much as Lando's would. Because uh, even with the penalty, I think... Um, if they enforce the penalty on signs, I think Lando would have just made it clear, right, Wes? Because the the P4 would have been, and Stroll only finished P, P10, giving him 
uh, one point. And so, yeah, I'll, still, I think this is a great result um, for the last race of his McLaren career for science. Yeah, absolutely. Great closing on, well, it was a good two years. Absolutely. Them. He was pretty much the catalyst on helping them get back to where they need to be. Absolutely. And in turn, McLaren was very thankful for his services and penalties, what penalties, no penalties. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't um, really matter. He was able to support Lando in leaving no doubt right. that McLaren was going to finish third in the constructors championship. And especially with a lot of uh, finals too. Right. Right. Uh, Cause that will be the last time for a while that Carlos will be driving anything. Uh, Renault in the back of his car. Right. Too. Right. So could be a good thing a, or bad thing. It could be a good thing or bad thing, yes. <laughs> but yeah, he did his job and he's been doing his job for the last two years with yeah. the Woking outfit. And let's see how he does over in Maranello. Absolutely. And uh if you guys haven't had the chance to watch, I highly recommend McLaren's video on pretty much um uh, addressing to Ferrari and to Tofosi a gift that they've given to Ferrari, um, it's, it was pretty much signs, um, and they told the Tifosi and Ferrari to take care of him because that's how much they love him. That's how much they love signs at McLaren. So it was a very nice touch. Um, and also, Zach Brown does not know how to speak any Italian, but he, he was very funny. <laughs> I, I love, I love Zach Brown. Yeah, dude. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so Pierre Gasly, um, I also picked, I mean, he finished on the points, you know, this is an Alpha Tauri that's, it's supposed to go every, you know, it's supposed to qualify at, like in Q2, at least hit Q2, uh, almost every weekend. Uh, but I think this is a good win. Um, you know, P8 for Pierre Gasly, solid points for Alpha Tauri. You know, Al Alpha Tauri is never going to be a team that's going to, challenge for best of the rest um i don't think red bull wants that i don't think helmet marco wants that i don't think they want these two teams to get anywhere close to each other but it is quite i, I think that that it's why like you know when alfatari wins a race especially in their hometown it, it just becomes even more poetic even more beautiful and so yeah that pretty much uh would you two out of three yeah, two out of three. I don't think Russell counts as a win, to be honest. So that's probably my best result all season long. So that's not bad. Um, not not as good as uh, Wes's, though. Three out of three. But yeah, uh, let's move on to my Bears. I had Albon, Kvyat, and Fittipaldi. Now, depending on who you, who you talk to, this could be either a win or a loss for Alex Albon, right? Because his teammate won, dominated the entire race. The Mercedes were nowhere close. This is, you know, this threw such a spanner in, in, in Mercedes. A lot of people are saying, could this be the turning point in the, in the fight against Mercedes? Because he couldn't catch up with Verstappen at all. Um, which is, it's interesting. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Alex Albon, solid P4. Um, he was one second away from Hamilton at the end. Uh, he would have passed Hamilton if, you know, there was like maybe one more lap or two more laps. He just had a much better strategy. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, too little, too late. Albon couldn't catch Hamilton enough. And who knows? Who knows what... A podium here could have done for Alex Albon, but I think it was already written on the wall, and so, so yeah. Even uh, for Kvyat, um, Kvyat P11, so close, so close to to P10, but you know, Lance pretty much had it uncontrol uh, under control for Abu Dhabi. Um, Lance just didn't seem to have the pace, but. Kvyat didn't have the pace either. He just kind of stayed in 11th um, throughout the race. And so, so yeah. Uh, and Fittipaldi, you know, I hate picking Fittipaldi because it's kind of like I'm bullying him. You know, like, there's, they don't really, you don't really expect Fittipaldi to, to come in here and, and wow us, right? 
And, uh, yeah, he pretty much effectively finished last, P19. You know, with that being said, like, I love Pietro Fittipaldi. I love him and his brother, his Twitch stream. Um, he's, you could tell he's just a really nice guy, but uh, I think he's been out of Formula One or just racing in general too too long, and it kind of affected, affected him. And, you know, stepping into a seat, pretty much two-thirds of the season into the season you're not gonna you're not gonna perform well you know with two races left and so so yeah uh, i'm proud of fitzipaldi but again it wasn't the result that uh that i, I think if he got like p15 then yes i would have counted it as a win it's not so right now i'm two out of th no well how about you Wes? would you consider albon's a win you know, I'm glad you asked, and I do think it was. Okay, so I was two out of three. P4, especially when, for the most part, the season has been pretty rough. Mm. I will also say Albon was starting to gain form towards the end of the season. Absolutely. Making it harder for Red Bull to axe him, right. despite Formula One internet going... Yeah do it now yeah. more on that <laughs> every later. time that's more on that every time later. yes every time that has occurred it seemed like albon had found a way to escape that at right. least temporarily but yes um i do want to have a go at fittipaldi yes i understand that he's been out for quite a while and his last open wheel action was indycar i right. believe right? right indycar and formula two yep so my question to you is, Joy, given that Haas was in a bit of a pinch, right? It wouldn't have made f sense for them to go out and get Nico Hulkenberg. No. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have made sense to try and rush a Schumacher or an Eilat or a Mazepin right. up, right? Right. So how do you think, say, okay, say Pietro Fittipaldi was out of the picture. What if they chose Delatraz instead? Oh, yeah. Because you, you were, and I was giving you crap about this because uh, Fittipaldi is American-born. He is a U.S. citizen, and Joy and I are also fellow Americans. So, of course, we want to back our, our men and women out there in the competition. But right. Joy, for whatever reason, chose not to do that. So I, it was the perfect opportunity for me to pick on him. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I mean... I like Haas's decision here. They're one of the few teams that actually picked the reserve drivers. It seems as though no one was picking the reserve drivers throughout the season when they needed it. You know, pretty much the super substitute Hulk always stepped in. But I think, you know, it, it was more of a touching um, gesture to allow Fittipaldi to, to kind of drive the car, right? Even though it was undrivable, the, the Haas. Uh, I'm not going to say, like, you know, I, I think he's earned that position as a reserve driver for Haas uh, alongside with Louis Deltraz. Um But, yeah, you know, I, I just didn't think he was going to, you know, out of all the things that, you know, he doesn't have the experience. Um, he has good pace, but he needs more time. Um, so, you know, that's why I kind of chose him it was kind of a safe bet to be honest but uh with that being said i mean he did finish right behind magnuson who finished 18th so i mean there, there was no way like you know even magnuson with his talent and with his experience couldn't even get the car past p15 so so yeah maybe i'm a little too hard on on Fitzipaldi, to be honest but but yeah uh i mean hey yeah hey hey hey, hey. <laughs> you didn't answer my question dude what's up i asked you how do you think Delatraz would have fared if it were to be Delatraz instead. I think he would have been a little bit closer with uh, with Magnuson um, because Fittipaldi was two laps down. Um, Magnuson was only one lap down. And so I think Delatraz would have been on that same lap with Magnuson when, when they finished. Um, probably like, you know, a couple tenths apart. Even in quality. So... So yeah, I, I think Delatraz would have been a little bit more better, a little bit more consistent. Um, during the practice, Pietro was 
you know he he couldn't get the the confidence in the in the brakes and in the car which i don't blame him that's a shit car to be honest in the haas but i think it'll be better next season uh, i think it'll be better in the 2022 season so yeah hopefully you know maybe in the future um the the car will be better and hopefully pietro does even you know have a chance to try it again maybe as a test driver as a reserve uh but yeah i think he deserves it fair enough okay <laughs> but yeah yeah absolutely and so and so yeah i mean let's uh was there anything else that you want to cover uh wes no no i think farewell to kvia on the on the head yes farewell to kvia yeah. um Farewell to a lot of drivers under previous teams. I think the biggest farewell also belongs to Roman Grosjean. Roman, yes, yes, go and Magnussen and Magnussen as well. Yes, uh, well, um, I think we spoke about it on the last pod, right? Like, uh, pretty much Magnussen will move on to IMSA. He will be driving for Chip Ganassi, uh, which is exciting. Uh, I can't wait to see how he, he represents uh, Formula One there. It's probably pretty close to Formula One. It's it, these are these things are, LM, like, these things are prototypes. So they're they're kind of like the LMP, LMP ones and LMP twos that you see in Le Mans. So it'll be interesting. Um, Grosjean, you know, he's he's thought about retirement even before the season began. He wants to start, you know, wants to spend more time with the family. So you know, congrats to Roman. I love the new um, helmet that he wanted to wear during the last race, but. I think uh, I think that was beautiful touch. Uh, Kvyat though, uh, very interesting, right? Where does he go from here? Ba uh, before he actually joined AlphaTauri, West, I don't know if you knew this, but he was actually the Ferrari test driver. So in those years of limbo where he wasn't driving in in Formula One, he was actually the test driver for Ferrari. Yes, I am well aware of his story. Yeah. Um, he is a victim of the helmet, Marco. <laughs> Yep. Quick rotation. Quick rotation. And, of course, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to him when he was trying to look for solutions in his career to be a test driver for Ferrari. Yeah. And it just so happened that his work was very well documented to where he was able to come back into that program. Yeah. Which is quite interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, why the hell do you want to go back to the place that threw you away? But at the same time, <laughs> be a, there's more lucrativeness to being actually on the grid rather than testing and providing data to the two other oh, guys. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could ask any of those reserve drivers or test drivers. You could ask Stoffel Van Dorn. Um, I'm pretty sure he would rather prefer being on the grid, like making, you know, having that security that you're going to be on the grid for next race, right? Yes, and the same can be said for uh, Esteban Ocon oh, as absolutely. well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it for my uh, for our bulls and bears. Uh, let's move on to hot laps, right? So this segment is going to be the the F one news, the biggest F one news and rumors that uh, we come across uh, pretty much through social media, media um, our sources, and so yeah, uh, Wes. Let's start off with the biggest news that was announced even after we made this pre-pod, um, uh, our pre-pod notes. Perez to Red Bull. Albon is out as a reserve. Your thoughts? I mean, I think it's a good move by Red okay. Bull. Mm. Now, uh, we... we gave our thoughts on this already we thought that they were going to pick hulkenberg because hulkenberg is a little bit better suited to be a wingman driver I, I you know perez has never really been a wingman driver in his career um so yeah it's interesting right well it could be i mean the, the case for wingman you could also say well couldn't that have been the design for when he was paired up with jensen but I mean, for him to be a second driver and for him to show the form that he had towards the end of uh, this season, 
I think it was enough for Red Bull to to do yeah the move on him yeah, yeah, yeah have him alongside Max and you could say that's recency bias you could say that's just forecasting on whether he would continue that form into the following season given that Hulkenberg hasn't had a full-time drive right right and I think he's done by he I mean Checo Checo has done enough to show that he can be very capable in a very superior car yes absolutely right and and this would be the ideal test for that right absolutely especially in this climate especially with a driver that is ruthless in every way shape or form absolutely absolutely and and i think the person or like you know the organization that is kind of nervous about this move has to be Mercedes, right? Because now it's more about Bottas versus Perez, Hamilton versus Verstappen. Because if if Perez ends up, you know, performing well in, in Red Bull and he is just a couple tenths off of Verstappen, I mean, you're, you're pretty much... We're talking about, like, you know, the strategy game, the mind games playing between Red Bull and Mercedes, like... You know, I can I can only imagine just like the undercuts and the overcuts trying to one up each other on the strategy. If there's a chance, you know, like I can imagine all these scenarios. If if you know Sergio Perez does feel comfortable with the car, I think he does have enough experience to to feel comfortable with the car. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's insane because um. We have spoken about this in the past. Um, Sergio does struggle when he has a car that has a very happy rear end. Um, you know, you could look, you know, a couple years ago when when the when the Force India and the the Racing Point, the first year Racing Point, they were pretty happy in the tail. They couldn't understand why the rears were lacking so much downforce and. He didn't like the car, and so he couldn't really put it into positions where he could attack. Um, and so, you know, this is this is the thing, right? I love it because we're about to be either proven wrong, proven right, and I can't wait. I can't wait. So, any predictions, Wes, for for Perez? I know it's really early, but I think I think uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be good when we look back at it. Absolutely. Well, I, I do want to add that despite Perez struggling with wheel to wheel, he is still willing to scrap. Absolutely. No matter what. Yeah. And he also is one of the best at tire management, if not the best. I think, yeah, he is one, probably second to Lewis. Absolutely. So for him to be on a car that w- that is a lot better than what he has driven over the past five years let's just say so be it this is probably the best chance he'll get throughout his formula one career to be in an elite car elite situation and my prediction my way too early prediction for checo is that uh i think he will finish as high as p3 but no less than p4 okay okay and the constructors you mean or in the drivers in the drivers in the drivers i think red bull is gonna show everyone that especially to ferrari that (laughs) hey we are the second best team we're we're not the alphas yet but we're damn close right absolutely and and you know like i think this move um speaks a whole lot more than people thought that it it's not just albon losing a seat it's also kind of another goodbye for Hockenberg, right? Because now there's no more seats available in Formula 1. Yeah, it's it's tough because Hockenberg uh, is a fan favorite. Right. And I think Albon is a fan favorite too. Yeah. So for the both of them to no longer have seats in the active Formula 1 grid, it, it sucks, mm. for lack of a better term. But hey, that's sports. That's how ruthless sports can be. And Formula 1 is no different. Right. Uh, but for what it's worth, at least Albon gets to stay within the Red Bull conglomerate, right? Right, right. So and he still gets to put on his navy blue 
Puma shirt. And his input will still be very important. Right. Absolutely. It's not like we're, it's not like what I thought that he was going to get cut completely. Right. Absolutely. Which is not the case. He's now just the guy in waiting. So say something happened to Max or Checo, God forbid, forbid. he'll be right there. Right. Um, And I'm sure we'll see him in FPs every now and then as well. Absolutely. And so, yeah, uh, I guess that's the other um, point I wanted to ask you about is that, is there uh, even an opportunity for Albon to prove himself, um, you know, that he deserves a seat? Because, you know, we're kind of, you know, probably the, you know, hopefully the vaccines will be out by then, by the, by the time of the new season. Um, and at that time, you know, you could pretty much make it the argument that Perez and Max will just race the entire season unless Perez struggles. Um, and so do you see a way where Albon can prove himself that he does deserve a seat maybe after the season? And Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think everyone tends to forget that Checo Perez's deal is a one-year deal. Right. With Red Bull. So they're just taking a flyer on him despite mm. him doing quite well. This has been a career year for right. Checo. Right. So chances are he could come back to Red Bull. What happens with Alpha Tori plays a big role too. Absolutely. What if Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda just go nuts? Right. That would be bad. That would be bad for Albon. <laughs> but yeah, say absolutely. Say there's some kind of rotation involving Pierre Gasly and Checo Perez. Right. Albon could still be within the program. But if not, then you have other teams, I'm sure, that would be willing to take them, like a Williams, like <laughs> yeah, a... Yeah, absolutely. Maybe an Alpha, maybe. That that I can't say for sure. Right. So, because Ferrari, Mercedes, they, they don't have a place for a guy like Albon, as good as he is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and you hit it right on the head, Wes. Um... You know, it also still depends on AlphaTauri. We've seen it with with Dan, Daniel Kvyat when they were looking for another driver to take place to take the seat in AlphaTauri, and then you know they they pretty much called Kvyat and said, said you know do you want the seat back, uh, which could very well be possible for Alex Albon, and uh, I hope hopefully like he'll be he'll be ready at that time. Um, but yeah. Uh, you also hit on the head, like, you know, Perez is only on a one-year deal. Now, do you think that he's only on a one-year deal because next year Red Bull believes that that is their best chance to win against Mercedes and that maybe after 2022, you know, everything's reset so they don't really know where they're going to be? Possibly. Okay. I mean, the thing that I've noticed about Red Bull and the race has also talked about it as well in their Mercedes dominance breakdown that Red Bull only thinks about what's happening right now. Right now, right. They want to win right now. Right. And of course, from just just by looking at it from a textbook management standpoint, you want to be mindful of the future. Right. And for a team like Red Bull, who's only, at least based on what we've seen, focused on winning or doing what's doing good right now Mm. it could be a sign that yeah we're only signing Perez because we want to put the best team out there for 2021 right and 2022 when we got the new car we got the new regulations we might have to uh take a different line because technically everyone would be starting from zero and that is a big technically that is yeah that's that's a big technically absolutely yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it, which is gonna be interesting, right? So, er, really early predictions. I think Red Bull might take constructors, but I think you know Hamilton might take um, drivers again. I think he he'll win his eighth world championship. I just don't think uh, Bottas will be there, um, just like he was. But uh, this this latter half of the season. But yeah, uh, now let's move on to um, Alonso, right? Um, so Fernando Alonso, uh, for some of you that don't know, Alonso took, um, 
participated in the young driver's test for F1 in Abu Dhabi. Now, emphasis on the young driver's test. Um, so pretty much Renault um, went to FIA, went to the FIA and said, you know, can we test, can we test um, Alonso during the young driver test? Uh, and the reason behind it is uh, Alonso never participated in any final practice um, running. So he never actually you know, got stepped inside this year's car. And FIA said, yeah, you know, why not? Because Alonso is pretty much good for the sport. He, his name alone brings a lot of attraction. And yeah, he, his name brings a lot more attraction now because in this year's Renault, they, he pretty much topped the timing sheets. He pretty much topped the t timing sheets with Nick DeVries and Stoffel Van Dorn in this year's Mercedes. He was able to beat them by two tenths of a second. He beat uh, Nick DeVries by two tenths of a second, which is insane. Uh, it shows how much more experience he is. It shows that he still has pace. Um, uh, but I think it also shows Renault's progress, right? Like Renault back then, it was a... The Renault cars or the Renault Formula One cars, they, they never seemed stable, especially around the slow corners. They were very, they were very twitchy. Uh, but now I think, now I think uh, they figured that, that out and they've actually given Alonso a very scary car. Uh, and he will be very scary this upcoming season. Um, maybe Renault might be the biggest challengers to McLaren. Maybe it's also a three-way battle again for Aston Martin. Uh, McLaren and Renault, but uh, yeah, your thoughts, Wes, on Alonso? I still don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it sounds more like a gentleman's race than a oh, absolutely than a young driver's test. It was cool. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was cool to see Stoffel Van Dorn. It was cool to see Nick DeVries, who I'm pretty high on. Uh, Eilert, Schumacher, mm. Sonoda. Vips, Buemi, guys that I've seen in other competitions. Um, I will say there was another old guy in the Young Drivers Test, Robert Kubica. Robert so, Kubica, yep. Or Manu Ginobili for all my <laughs> basketball <laughs> fans out he there. He kind of does look like Manu. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it might have been... We'll never. I think we'll never know why that exception came to be, especially for those two guys. It could be because of name. It could be because of whatever God knows what reason. Well, actually, um, what do you call it? Renault kind of, um, what do you call it? They kind of threatened the FIA because Renault um, does fund young drivers more than any other Formula One company. Uh, they pretty much fund Formula Renault, which a lot of Formula One cha uh, champions have come from. And that's pretty much their big reasoning for it. Um, Renault pretty much came to the FIA and said, like, look, we're, we're the manufacturer that funds these young drivers. You know, we, we might as well have this opportunity to test out Alonso. And, I mean, you know, make that what you will. It's still, you know, Alonso is not a young driver and he's a two-time world champion. Of course, he's going to go faster than all these guys. Of course, he's going to be a lot more comfortable. Exactly. <laughs> but if, if we're going to talk about the performance aspect of it, I am quite impressed. Right. Right. That Fernando Alonso was able to top the timesheet in a car that's technically slower. Right. Than mm -hmm. the rest of the field ahead of it. Right. I.e. the Mercedes, I.e. the Red Bull, right. I.e. the McLaren, if there mm -hmm. was any McLaren uh, testing that day. There wasn't. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah but, uh, still. Yeah, you're, st you're statistically, correct. You were correct. Mercedes uh, and uh, and Red Bull should have been ahead of ahead of him still. Yeah, um, and speaking of Mercedes, too, it's, yes, Nick DeVries and Stoffel Van Dorn are very talented, Yes. And I'm glad that they were able to keep it up top. 
right? Mm. But at the same time, it goes to show that George really is a once-in-a-generation talent. Oh, absolutely. Not to go off in an odd tangent, but yeah, it goes to show that George is a once-in-a-generational talent. But at the same time, since we are making it about Fernando Alonso, he should be able to bring Alpine in firing range to make things interesting, especially in the midfield. Absolutely. I I 100% agree, Wes. Um, So... Yeah, I also expect um, Renault to be really close to the podium positions. So it'll be interesting next uh, next season. But yeah, uh, let's move on to your guy, Wes, or our guy, but it's more your guy. Um, I never actually knew about this guy before I started talking to you, but Yuki Tsunoda coming out of nowhere from Formula 2. And now he has his super license points and he will drive for AlphaTauri. Yes, sir. The FIA Rookie of the Year. The guy was a damn phoenix in Formula 2. Even (laughs) though he didn't win, for him to be on there in his first year, to be so close to the top, you know, if certain things went another way, maybe he would have won the the thing over Eilat and Schumacher, right? Right. And that would have been just a great shocker. But, you know, Red Bull has a great young prospect on their hands in Yuki Tsunoda. And he might be able to do something that other Japanese drivers ahead of him didn't do. Right. And that is be great. Mm. And, you know, when he did the test at Imola with AlphaTauri, he seemed to do pretty good. He seemed to adjust very well. Right. He seemed to adapt to the conditions in a car that's much more superior than the Carlin that he drives or he driven in Formula 2. Right. And... I will say the only thing that I will be concerned about is his conditioning. He has been on record saying that uh, his neck is not strong enough to handle the Formula One car. Right. So hopefully during the offseason he will work on that, and by preseason testing he'll be good to go, and him and Pierre will be a good pairing going into Melbourne. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I actually saw that those reports as well, like – um it's fun it's like a little bit weird uh to see that um he's actually the lightest and the shortest uh driver now i mean the shortness is not going to do anything about it i mean fernando alonso is pretty short but he's he's actually one of the lightest i think he is the lightest formula one driver this upcoming season and yeah uh it's weird because you know lewis has always said like he it's hard for him to maintain a 150 pound weight i think yuki is like around 120 so yeah, he's like 125 130 yeah and i mean even just by looking at him he's quite thin right he's quite... and he's shorter he's shorter than me so right. I, I stand around <laughs> five five and a half five six right he's yeah like five four five three and a half mm. so the guy is literally like a flyweight boxer, <laughs> but driving around, or like a horse jockey. Right, right. But he's going to be driving a thing that's at least a thousand horsepower. Right. But for what it's worth, at least he's aware of his physical flaws going into the upcoming season, and he knows that he needs to work on that. Right. So I hope that that ship is righted by the time, like I said, testing and round one comes around. And I know the expect, or not I, but we know that the expectations are going to be very high. So I could, I could imagine him struggling the first couple of rounds, but maybe after time he will get his footing right, and from there he will be able to uh, hold his own, if not do better than Pierre Gasly in his first full Formula One season. I actually secretly would love to see him do better than. Um than Pierre Gasly. I, I mean, this is what we've always argued, right, Wes? Like, like we want the best of the best talent to be in Formula 2. And Yuki Tsunoda comes out of nowhere and pretty much takes over Formula 2. Of course, he didn't win the championship, but, I mean, so much so that, like, he's now he's now in Formula 1. He's in, he's earned that seat. And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited that finally, like, there's this... A driver that is super talented that has a lot of potential 
and he he will be in Formula One in, after just one year in Formula Two. It's remarkable, right? Right. Um, granted, I mean, we've seen it before. Right. I think Albon and Russell were only in yes. Formula Two for a year before yes. they came up, and I think Lando as well. Right. right? right. So the the golden generation again. So right. yeah, I mean we're we're in. I think we're in for a treat. Right. And yeah, it's a good move also on the Red Bull AlphaTauri side of uh, the department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see um, Yuki actually grow. Um, I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of changes that we're, we're going to witness from, from Yuki. But uh, but yeah, um, pretty much uh, the last hot laps uh, that we also, we pretty much touched on is that um, because Callum Eilat finished second in the Formula 2 championship, um and there's no more seats available from uh, for the out for the Ferrari B teams. You could call them, you know, for the Haases and the Alfa Romeos. Calamilot will be a test driver for Ferrari, which is it's not a bad position to be in, um, you know. But man, like you know, that means Callum is. You know he's not going to be fully committed to a, a a series that he has to, he has to like compete in. Uh, unfortunately, he can't compete in Formula Two anymore. He can't come back. Um, I don't th- I don't even think you know Ferrari would have him back because there's just so much talent that is going through Ferrari right now. But yeah, um, he's he's got the short end of the stick. Don't you agree, Wes? I would say so. Yes. Okay. Um, I actually thought that Islet was going to go to Haas at first. Me as well. And when that roster was released, I was not particularly happy mm-hmm. with one of the drivers that took those seats. And um, however, it is what it is. We can't pout, whine, and complain about it much more because it's not going to change anything, at least for the time being, given that there is some kind of turmoil going on at Haas. Right. But for what it's worth, Islet should take advantage of this opportunity because people, normal people like you and me, Joy, we would bite at the chomp, you know, or chomp at the bit, I mean, bite at the chomp. That should be a new term, by the way. Yeah. We would bite at the chomp to to be a part of anybody's program. Right. Right. Absolutely. Even Williams. As a test driver, I would love to. Absolutely. So for Islet, he needs to go in there with a positive attitude, learn the Ferrari way, albeit at a different vantage point, provide good input, provide valuable insight. And as long as he can do it, as long as he does his job, I'm sure, you know, the the Maranello folks will give him a chance someday. Is it going to be with them? Who knows? I can't speak for either side, right? But for me, I think this is a pretty good opportunity for him. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, Wes. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I would absolutely if I given the chance, man, I would, I would be the Williams uh, test driver. Fuck it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I would love to have the opportunity. But yeah, uh, Wes, uh, I wanted to close our hot laps with one small um, news that came out that um, Toto Wolf has extended with Mercedes for three years. Uh, now, this is huge because what does this mean for Lewis Hamilton? It, like, it seems as though like there was a, a narrative uh, forming um, around Lewis and Toto that Lewis wouldn't sign if Toto didn't sign, right? Like, like if Toto's future is secured, then you're pretty much secured the future of Lewis Hamilton. So three years is not a lot, actually, in Formula One. Uh, think about it. You know, after this upcoming season and then the 2022 regulations and then a year after that, that's that's a pretty short time. Um, I think what he's trying to do is um, he's trying to set up, you know, Mercedes's future into the new generations of cars into the new regulations of cars but the thing is will will lewis be there for the ride 
Um, Lewis has stated that he wants to continue for a couple more years into Formula One. But we will see. We will see if um, he still wants to go through that venture. You know, like Lewis is such a, he, he you know, he's such a, a very, like a, he's a person that's interested in a lot of things, right? And so I don't ever think he's going to get bored with Formula One, but I think when he does sense that he's losing a little bit of his abilities, I think Lewis strikes me as the kind of guy that will go out when he's at the top. You know, you, you never, I don't think Lewis wants anyone to ever see him uh, falter. And so, I don't know. I think this this move by Toto and Mercedes plays a huge factor into Mercedes' future and maybe the Mercedes drivers' futures. Well, it's not a small story by any means. Absolutely. Let's 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 make that clear. But seeing Toto for three more years, one that's great. Right, because you did mention earlier that one little thing that changes can really upset the balance at Mercedes. Absolutely. And right now, I can't imagine a Mercedes without Toto Wolf. I can't either. And because he's he's put so much into that team. Mm. And in a way, you could say Mercedes owes Toto a lot. Right. But for three years, yes, it's not really a long time. So that's the last year of this car and then two years of new, the new era. Right. And when you got people like Stoffel Van Dorn, Nick DeBries, um, George Russell, Esteban Ocon waiting. Right. You you got you got a lot of decisions to make, especially given that Lewis and Valtteri Bottas are getting up there in age. Absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking of Lewis, while we're on it, I think it makes things easier from a negotiation perspective. It gives leverage to right. Lewis. It's like that he he'd knows, be willing to stay. Yeah, it's like he knows someone from the other side of the negotiating table. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll give him leverage to to stay, to not take an early retirement or whatever, because I cannot see him driving for anybody else. Right. Um, given th- I understand that Lewis that. He has a lot of other interests in mind. He has X44. Right. He has XNDA. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his dogs, his family. Right. He's got... I believe he's his... starting his own uh, clothing line as well. Well, there you go. Uh, but at the moment, he has Puma and Tommy Hilfiger. Right. There's a lot of things going on on his plate. And I know, I know that he knows, that we know, <laughs> that... Formula One can be quite demanding Absolutely. for him, given that he has like a bajillion other things going on. And they say by Christmas or something like that, right? Right. Fine. It's December 20th here in Chicago, Illinois, USA. We'll wait for the next five days to see if a deal will, will close. Yeah. I think it's going to be the richest deal. Absolutely, 100%. And if I was a betting man, I would say that that deal happens within the next three days. I think so, too. I agree. I agree. I think I think the deal is already right there. He just needs to sign it. And with Toto, I think he just started to press the ink into the paper. And oh, so... absolutely. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen when he signs that contract, Joy? Eighth World Championship. Exactly. He's going to hop in that W12. Absolutely. And in his mind, you know what's going to be on a loop? He's not going to say it to Bono or anybody else because that's going to be weird when the <laughs> F1 uh, cameras and production team catches it. But you know what's going to be inside his helmet the whole time? What is it? I'm about to show you domination. <laughs> you think You think that song plays in his mind as... <laughs> As he's uh, driving, I'm pretty sure I would. I, I would think play that, that song. and his like 50 million other demo tracks that he's hiding from us. <laughs> Could you imagine Lewis Hamilton winning uh, Grand Prix, but in between uh, during the Grand Prix, he's just thinking about the next song he's writing. 
I'm sure he already has like the base pretty sure for it in he's his got an album. Headphones. Yeah, he's got an album full for this season. Oh, one hundred percent. But yes, that that is Mercedes right, right. now, and I am more than more than happy with uh, the deals that haven't gone down in the Brackley end of the Formula One world. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, uh, any more Wes? Any more thoughts? No, man. I I'm still kind of sad that the season's over. Yeah. But I'm smiling because the season occurred. Right. And I'm ready for 2021. I'm ready to see what kind of history is going to be made. Mm. What kind of storylines are going to be created? And can't wait for gonna... Drive to Survive. Well, <laughs> maybe you are. I'm okay. Not. Okay. But. Uh, we get to see we get to see for 2021 who's hot who's not who's hot who's, who's not who's bullin and who's barren <laughs> all right all right running back nation thank you so much for tuning in for the pretty much the the last race review for f1 now we will continue to cover formula one when the news and the rumors keep flowing through of course they are because the season is almost about to start, right? It's going to be in March uh, when the preseason testing happens. So it's, it's three months. Trust me, three months goes by pretty fast nowadays. So thank you so much, Running Back Nation, for tuning in. Thank you so much for for being there. And, and, and yeah, uh, thank you so much for, for listening to us, um, for our opinions. Yes, Running Back Nation, we are really appreciative of you. Um, thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Maraming salamat for, for everything, uh, for taking, uh, the time to listen to us, listen to us argue, listen to us try and be reasonable. The whole shebang, the whole <laughs> shebang, or as, uh, or let's, let's, let's say thank you in a language that the listeners would understand. Joy. Grazie ragazzi. Grazie ragazzi. And yes, La Running Back Nation, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. Stay safe. If you're able to get the vaccine, go get it and keep it on track. <laughs>